Hey guys, check out Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp, a fully updated second edition, reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. To pick up a copy today, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Hi everyone, welcome to Clubhouse Ambassadors Corner. So for today, we've got Bella Ma. Uh, she is an Italian wine ambassador from VIA Hong Kong 2022. Um, so let's proceed with her biography. So having spent her teenage years near the town of Motai, Bella witnessed the power of Baiju, fermented sorghum juice that brings people together. Her curiosity led her in her adolescence um, to wines and exotic fermented grape juice. Having acquired experiences in Michelin-starred restaurant in San Sebastian and Hong Kong, Bella fell deeply in love with Italian wines during a long and enlightening trip into 2021 against all Hong Kong travel restrictions. Time spent at Contra Suarda with Eleonora was one of her defining moments. Currently, she is preparing as um, for the Italian Wine Experts exam, and she manages a collective of wine businesses in Hong Kong that join forces to introduce the finest Italian growers into the market. So, Bella, tell us why you selected Eleonora Gottardi as your favorite producer. Well, um, where do we begin? First, like Eleonora, I am deeply attached to the land of Fasano. This is where the other half of my family live and uh, where I come back to visit um, every year, if not, you know, twice a year. Um, on my journey of, like, you know, Italian wine, where I, you know, started 2021, um, I discovered that the spotlights, despite, you know, on textbook or on video with Sarah, uh, and also where a bunch of Italian wine ambassador uh, candidates, now we're all certified Italian wine ambassador, we always, um, the focus has always been on, you know, Langen. Tuscany, especially like Chianti Classico and Montalcino. And I love those places. I'm deeply also in love with those two places. I go visit also at least once a year. Um, but since, you know, I have the chance to share a producer with all the Italian wine ambassadors across the globe, with the wine lovers, like, you know, all over the world, I like to use this chance to present Bassano, you know, a place um, that gave me the chill and, you know, life-changing moment during my first visit uh, with Eleonora. Uh, and secondly, uh, Eleonora, uh, she represents the versatility of female in wine business. Um, of course, you contributed a lot for the family wine business where your father start, started. And uh, at the same time, besides being a team player, you, you also know exactly what you want to do. So after Geisenheim in Germany, you decided to focus on wine business. And afterwards, you started your own expert agency, uh, but at the same time, you also help out with the wine. Uh, you also represent the family wineries. So I believe that, you know, we, in a way, because I'm also juggling um, 
trying to manage perfectly my other wine businesses in Hong Kong. And in a way, we really connect because uh, I believe a person, I'm a person who can't stop. I'm always doing something. I believe you are too. And uh, both of us are trying to achieve what we want to do. And we want to excel every aspect that we want to um, achieve, especially in, especially professionally. Okay, so what are the learning objectives that we should expect from this interview? Well, I would say, um, first of all, we like to introduce the the terroir, the wine production area of Bassano. Um, we've talked about it earlier. There are only three producers in Bassano. So for a lot of people, um, the area is quite unknown. And I don't, and I believe that, you know, by speaking to a producer in the heart of the area, we will gain some insights on what the what Bassano was like in the past, what how it is right now, and where it may go in the future. And besides that, because Kantar Soada is such a um, innovative um, winery, um, there are a lot of um, ideas being thrown around in the winery, and a lot of them were realized um, here. And during my first visit, uh, after hearing the story of uh, their innovation, their ideas, and their thoughts for the future, I was truly inspired. Not just, you know, I believe for people who who comes from winemaking background or wine business, or simply just as a consumer who work in different professions. Um, here in the story of Kantatra Soarda, what they do in here is um, in- inspiring for, you know, all aspects of life. It was in 2009 where I met Eleonora in uh, Hong Kong. It was the Mission Star restaurant where I used to work for innovation uh, with her. What an amazing dinner. Yeah. I went an amazing <laughs> wine. Yeah. She... Wine <laughs> She still talk about it to me, and my memory were a bit vague because uh, uh, I was lucky at that moment because that restaurant, I've met a lot of winemakers from almost all over the world, and I, I do remember that I try my best for every winemaker wine dinner. Yes. So, yeah, it was. she, was, she came with uh, her importer and now my very dear friend, Alan, and they came to celebrate Eleonora's birthday. And uh, I remember that we, I, because, you know, Eleonora is, has a wine, well, she's from a wine region, so I've given you a lot of, like, geeky wines to try. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I think we blinded you with two bottles. Alan picked. Yeah. yeah. True. One was, I think it was a Chinese wine. Yeah, one was a Grace Vineyard Chinese Cabernet, and I think the other one was the the Shara from from Etna. Shara Shara was on um, uh, this Italian wine podcast program too. I think two years ago, Um, and uh, yeah, he's another bottle was done by a Hong Kongese, Hong Kong American, who went all the way to Etna and lived there and set up his own winery. And at that moment, his bottle was still gold with the uh, red wax. <laughs> with, the fancy, <laughs> with the fancy closure, I remember yeah. you opening it. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, and then after that dinner, I tried my first uh, contrasoada, also my first tocolato. And uh, I was, I was impressed. It was really impressive, the nose, the aroma. Um, it's not fair to do comparison with wines from other uh, other countries, but it's it's truly one of the top um, sweet wine experience for me. 
All right. So yes, we've had that episode. Um, so Steph Yim was interviewed by Alan Kwok, our Italian wine expert, and also by our Iwa um, Alice Wong. Um, I think it was, oh. was like one of the first clubhouses we've had. So we were just we were still using Zencaster at those in those times. Um, yeah. So I would really like to also thank the take this opportunity to thank our. Italian wine ambassadors who are listening in. So thank you, Bev, Marsha. We've got Elena, um, Paola, Paul Bologna is here too, Andre, Angelo, and Cynthia. And also Elena Zitel is here. So thank you so much for being here. And we've also got Simone. And owner, yes, hi owner. So yes, um, uh, I will now leave, I will now mute myself and then you can proceed with um, interviewing Eleonora. So the floor is yours, Bella. Thank you, Laika. Okay. <laughs> We're on our own now. <laughs> yes, why not? Let me ask you the question in the meantime. Thank you, Eleonora. Um, ciao, guys. Um, we are sitting on the um, a beautiful tasting room on top of one of the many beautiful hills in uh, Bassano. Uh, so first of all, let me just, I would like to put us in context. We're in northwestern Italy, Veneto region, uh, the province of Vicenza. Uh, in Italy, there's a saying that it's Mania Gatti, the country of cat. Uh, unfortunately, this is this is in the past, okay? Just a cat. Yes. So uh, I try to go lightly on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Eleonora's family winery, Contrasoada in Bassano, uh, located on a beautiful hill, and now they are definitely the leading winery of the Bassano region, if not the whole Brigante. Um, how would you like to describe, you know, Bassano wine production to uh, all the wine lovers that may not have experienced it? Okay, so, well, first of all, I didn't have the chance to say it earlier, but thank you so much for inviting me to this interview. I was, uh, I feel honored. <laughs> and hello, everyone is listening to us. So, um, well, Bassano, Bassano viticulture has quite a, a long history, although it's, it was um, it was lost then uh, during the centuries, the past centuries. And then luckily in the 20th century, it came back again. So um, viticulture was brought here during the times of Ezzelino, that is uh, German, Germanic origin uh, um, king that uh, conquered this area and the city of Bassano. Uh, so we're speaking about roughly like 10th, 12th century. So there were three Ezzelino, three Ezzelino kings, yeah. And mainly with the third one, um, viticulture has been established in this area. And, and then finally lost uh, with few noble families that were carrying on the vineyards. And then all of a sudden, like, shift the agriculture into something that was more profitable mm -hmm. and less, you know, you know, asking for less efforts yes. than, than viticulture. Um, but then at the end of the 20th century, uh, some noble families as well as, I mean, some other producers started to plant vineyards in the area again. So we do have, you know, uh, proof that it has been always an area like suitable for mm -hmm. viticulture. And uh, unfortunately, um, somehow it got lost during times, but uh, now with, uh, uh, with a lot of uh, families and other producers, we are trying to bring it back and try to push also the bar to a completely new quality standard. So Bassano today, as of today, it belongs to a DOC named Breganze. So it's, it's really at the borders of the DOC. So we are located already like uh, closer to the foot, uh, at the footsteps of the, 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 the earliest, I mean, the, the, the closest mountains that then um, connects us to the pre-alps. So we are already 
I mean, uh, as from Bassano to the Asiago Plateau, uh, it's about a 20, 30 minutes drive. So uh, Contrasuarda is, is, is really located on, on a hill almost at 400 meters above the sea level. So we're already quite high in altitude and uh, uh, we have an amazing steep slope uh, that normally you don't find that often in the area. So uh, I think we have this uh, amazing uh, uh, peculiarity. Um, also, uh, differently from Breganze, we are right at the, at the beginning of the Valsugana Valley. And this is a valley uh, that uh, takes shapes uh, by the Brenta River. That is a river crossing our, I mean, my hometown. And the Valsugana is uh, our direct uh, connection to the pre-Alps. So it's also the way we, uh, we take uh, by car to, to go to Trento, uh, mm -hmm. to Trento and then Trentino region. So we really, um, we are so lucky to have these uh, cold winds and constant ventilations coming from the north. Um, and we are also, like in Breganze, are so lucky to have an amazing volcanic soil. That is uh, probably the, the more interesting peculiarity of the area. And um, Contrasuarda, uh, also to give a meaning to, to the name, it means on the slope. Uh, so we are really on the slope and I think also our vines uh, uh, can uh, benefit from... Uh, uh, sun exposure throughout the whole day from sunrise to sunset. So Bella has also mentioned sunset uh, before because we really see the sun <laughs> going behind the mountain in front of us. And um, it, it's just really a lovely yeah. moment. <laughs> During the summer, the I think on the ground, it was covered by people who came here for aperitivo and yeah. to see the sunset. True. Uh, we, we, yeah, the family story starts uh, in, in, with the restaurant. So we became uh, wine producers just uh, in, in, in 2000. So we, we acquired Contrasuarda in 1999 and it was uh, healed instead of abandonment for over 12 years. So when we arrived here, there was <laughs> literally nothing. We planted the vineyards out of scratch. We built the cellar. And after a few years, we also moved the restaurant from the historical location to the winery. Mm -hmm. So today we can welcome at the, at the estate uh, a lot of people and uh, come not only for dinner or lunch, but also for enjoying wines, uh, our wines, uh, wines on, yeah. on the vineyards. <laughs> so it's quite a nice location. Yeah, I can say that. Give us a rough idea about the variety that you plant mm -hmm. on, so, on Contrasuad. Sure. Um, so obviously belonging to the Breganze DOC, that uh, probably a lot of people are uh, do not even know, but uh, in fact it is among the most historical denominations of Italy. So, um, but it's a very tiny one. So this also, uh, I mean, I understand why not many yes. people know it because yes, it's yes. so tiny. I think today it counts about 15 producers. Something like that. Um, and we, uh, of course, planted varieties that uh, were renowned in the, in the denomination of Breganze. So we planted Cabernet, we planted oh, Merlot, we planted Vespaiola, that is a local variety. We're we planted, right now. Yes, <laughs> we planted Marzemino Nero, that is again another yes. local variety, DOC variety. Um, but then, step by step, uh, we also started uh, understanding our terroir better because for us, uh, like, like I said, uh, we started everything from scratch. So we had zero clue of, um, of, of what, you know, of the varieties you, yeah. that were growing better in yeah. this you area. You don't have it defined in a book either. Yeah. Right. True. The, True. The, the, consortium didn't really give you a clear yeah and also and also <laughs> my father back in the days in in 2000 he kind of like planted what was you know uh, what was selling well from that region yes. so everybody from Veneto were drinking Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet yes. Franc, Merlot um, and then uh, uh, still today it's a learning process so we really started learning 
uh, how you know the indigenous grave varieties were uh, finding its expression in our place, and uh, we put a lot of attention into Vespaiola grape varieties. So mm -hmm. even in the uh, most recent vineyards, we've planted we planted everything with Vespaiola. But also we started grafting a lot of vineyards into the varieties that were more expressive. Mm. So we took, uh, we grafted all Cabernet uh, Sauvignon uh, vines into Pinot Noir uh, that I know is it's not a DOC variety, but uh, it is uh, growing really, really well yeah, here in, uh, in our area. Um, again, because of the Valsugana that creates also a lot of temperature fluctuations mm. between day and night and again this constant ventilation and breeze and uh, um, so um, yeah we we put a lot of emphasis in the local varieties because finally they were the ones that gave us the most satisfactions in terms of final results but also in terms of communication of of our area of our territory we really identify with them so um, yeah I think in a way throughout your learning journey of Bassano, it's like you're writing history yourselves for the whole production area. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's big. Because the that's final big thing. Yeah. yeah, well. Because I, I we, so. <laughs> um, for, us, for us in Hong Kong, we the only thing we could do is to taste the wine. And the wines are showing beautifully and also vintage after vintage. It's not just getting better, it's also consistently good. Yeah, and I think there's still a long way to go. And uh, I think our our uh, great advantage is that we are such a young family, young winemaking family, uh, with so much to discover still. And... Uh, and our vineyards are still so young. So I think the potential <laughs> for improving our quality even further yeah. is really there. Yeah. And this is what gives us, you know, uh, it's our drive for making it better wines every yes, year. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just a, I have to sidetrack a little bit. Just, um, just to give us an idea of how good the wines are and, you know, such a good job that Contrasolada is doing. We, not me, but Alan. <laughs> Alan bought a bottle of Musso. Yes. Uh, it's 100% Merlot mm. at that time. Oh, oh yes. Yes. Yes, time, it's yes. Uh, the 2008. Eight, yes. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> we blind, he blinded Eleonora oh, don't, with... Don't say it. <laughs> With uh, among a group of Italian wine ambassadors, and I think is there Susanna? So okay, yeah. So Susanna was here before, and Alan and Charlotte, and Yulia. Uh, I I hope I didn't miss anybody. Uh, Excuse me. There were a couple of my colleagues. Yes, Simone. And Simone. Yes. Yeah. So um, we had like different ideas about what the wine is, what, what the wine was. I remember somebody said, said Petrus. <laughs> I, I said Bordeaux. <laughs> I, I didn't even recognize my wine. And I, I mean, honestly, I think I'm, I'm half justified just because we had so much wine before. Yes, that. yes. So, but as soon as I smelled no. it, I was like, oh my gosh, we are in Bordeaux. Yeah. Like, and uh, I didn't tell everybody what I thought the wine was because I, I really I don't speak no, most of the time. I I was picturing a uh, Rouge in my mind. I said Cabernet Franc from Loire, but I was picturing a Rouge. So when we saw the bottle that's mostly from Contrasoada, I mean, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I was surprised. I was surprised I didn't recognize it. But it's also true that it's an older vintage, so it has been a while I, I wasn't yeah, you know, yeah, tasting sure. it. So. Um, and also for us uh, in Hong Kong, I think uh, there's uh, uh, there's Justin, who does who does like a master class. He's he's an Italian one educator, I believe. And I know Justin. Yeah, he did a master class yeah. on Musso. Oh, okay. 
Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Like a year ago, a year and a half ago, and Mosso was the favorite of everybody. Really? All the students. Yeah, okay. Sent your pictures. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, but a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's what I meant. I guess Kampasalada is really writing the history of of Basana region. You're, elevate, you're elevating the bar. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, let's see. Um, I, during my first visit, I was very impressed on the winery structure that, you know, where it's literally beneath us. Um, although that, you know, you're a very young winery with recent history, but what you do, like the, uh, the kind of attention you pay to when you, uh, when you're designing the winery is impressive. Please tell us more. Yes. The thoughts you put in. and Okay, so this was my father's vision. I have to be completely honest. It's, it's a big dreamer, but she's also an amazing <laughs> visionary. Um, I think I should mention this. It, it's so funny. I did like a team building with, uh, with my colleagues uh, a couple of years ago. And most of our colleagues, they've been working at our winery for... Yeah, since almost since we started. So I asked them to share a thought of their experience in Contrasuarda after such a long mm-hmm. time. And one of them has mentioned, oh, well, when, when I first arrived and the, the hill was like a mix of bushes Grass. and nothing, <laughs> uh, I, I was listening to your father saying, oh, here we're going to build these and here we're going to do that. And <laughs> you thought this guy is completely mad and... After, you know, more than 20 years, he said he, he did exactly what he said. And, uh, and I think he also, I think it's what, it, what is most impressive about our seller is how it could put all these tiny and smart details together by having zero, zero experience. Yeah. So, of course, we, we had an engineer and, and an architect that built the, the seller and its design, but everything concerning, you know, geothermal temperature control of the rooms or gravity transportation of the grapes are things that nor the architect or the engineer have brought in uh, into the concept. So that was all my father. And today, this is also what makes the difference in, in our, you know, future projects as for compensating our mm-hmm. carbon emissions and things mm-hmm. like that. So um, the cellar, is built underground, literally inside the mountain. So um, the structure obviously helps us um, having a building uh, with a low impact building, not just uh, with respect to the environment itself and the landscape. So um, of course, since we rescued the hill, um, we did plant and clean up everything, but also with did not want to destroy the, the green oasis that it used to be. So we really wanted to have a building that was well integrated with the environment. And at the same time, uh, having a cellar built completely underground is obviously improving all the processing that when making quality wines are those tiny details that really make the difference. So we are able to um do an, an additional selection on top of the hill um and having the the stemmer and crusher placed outside of the cellar and just bring in the grapes that are or even the grapes with the stems or it really depends on the vintage but to bring inside the cellar only the material that will be processed afterwards so we're really able to lower the risks in terms of the yeast and the microorganisms you bring inside, especially considering we are a new building, working only with spontaneous fermentation. So we try to work as clean as possible. And uh, again, having a very gentle processing. So uh, the grapes are entering by gravity and then the fermentation are following like a very vertical flow because even the red wines are 
you know, fermenting on, in the upper tank and then simply wrecked in the, in the lower tank. So again, there's no use of pump and uh, other things. And then in the aging room, I think it's extraordinary what, uh, what we were able to achieve because in the aging room, we, we also left a complete wall like open. So we really like when you enter, you really see like the real rock of the mountain. And, uh, and, and it's the mountain that regulates the humidity inside the cellar. So that is always kind of like fluctuating, but it's following like a natural flow. And so we have zero machinery that are controlling the temperature in the building. So obviously being on the ground allows us to reach a constant temperature throughout the whole year, humidity control. And we also took advantage of the drainage system uh, that cross all our vineyards to create a, a simple natural uh, airflow circulation that works by simple convection. So <laughs> even there, there's no pump, yeah. pump, nothing. So it's just cold air, warm air brought down the valley and come back in the cellar. So we're really able to obtain um, uh, great stability in a completely natural way with zero consumption of energy. So that is uh, yeah, for sure. what makes our building quite unique. Yeah, I've learned, you know, what Papa does reminds me of something I learned on this trip. Alucinante. <laughs> when you say it, sometimes you can, you can say you're unbelievable. Yes. <laughs> and most of the time it's like you're incredible. <laughs> it's the same word. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. So maybe like, 1999, it's Mm-hmm. Torcolato. Torcolato, yes. So please put us in context of how this amazing dessert wine is made. Yes, so Torcolato is a pastito wine from the Breganze denomination. And it's made with 100% uh, Vespaiola grape. And Vespaiola, I think it's not like maybe around 90 hectares of vineyards in yes, the world. Yes. So we are probably less than 20 producers making, you know, um, working with this, with this great variety. So it's quite a unique product and uh, it's said to be among the best uh, pastitos of Italy mm-hmm. because the, the characteristic of Vespagliola, which we deeply love, is the incredible high level of acidity. And uh, in Torcolato, of course, uh, being a pasito wine reaches incredibly high level of residual sugar, but with the bright acidity of Vespaiola, it is uh, well balanced and the, the result is simply amazing. Torcolato traditionally is, um, is a wine, um, yeah, it's a pasito wine, so the grapes are uh, are harvested and then they are hanged manually on a hanging rope from the roof. Yeah. So that's the typical drying process for to- uh, Vespaiola grapes for Torcolato. And we do a passimento uh, completely naturally also here. So just uh, natural air and we dry the grapes for minimum six months. Uh, then we press them uh, and the, the must, the, the juice we take uh, out of each berry is then transferred to a new barrique and we let it ferment completely naturally. It's Sometimes it's a fermentation that takes up to four years to be completed. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, and we bottle it without even filtering it. So I think we produce uh, quite a different torcolato uh, and... Uh, of course, it, it has always some age because we really respect the yeah. fermentation and try not to intervene uh, and interfere with it. Um, so unfortunately, just now we are, we're serving, I think, Torcolato 2015. Uh, but this is the time uh, the wine uh, asks yeah. us to, to wait for. And 
yeah, and again, I think it's uh, simply um, very interesting wine, not just because it's um, um, the flavors are so opulent and nice, but with this, the freshness it carries, it's probably one of the few pasito you would pair with also very different dishes. Yeah, so normally pasita is always, you know, pasita with the biscuits Sticky. or sweets and our pasito sometimes i have it with oysters so <laughs> i know it's i know it sounds crazy but it. <laughs> uh, it, it's actually a great pairing so yeah oh i have to try it yeah. well it's it's the kind of wine that you know things get lost in words and it's the kind of wine that you just have to experience it yourself i i can't even tell anybody how I felt when I first tasted the pasito. Just get lost in words. Um, yeah, truly amazing. Truly, truly amazing yeah. wine. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much. And um, just before, um, let's see if we have a bit more time. Mm, just before we talk about, you know, the interesting projects that Contrasalada is carrying on, and um, I know that you even had a beer oh. project. <laughs> wow. You know everything <laughs> about us. Just before we went too far. Um, it's um, a wine beer project because <laughs> I would never, you know, focus on beer. Never, course, never course, do beer, that one. Yes, but as long as there's, as there's wine in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just before we do that, uh, excuse me, everyone. I forgot to give a grand introduction to Eleonora in the beginning. Oh, Shall we do it officially or shall we do it casually? Well, you, you, should, you, should, you should just... I, I don't know. Do you, oh, you want to say something about me? <laughs> I have to. I have to. <laughs> I, I think everybody already has an idea of, you know, what uh, what kind of person Eleonora is. She's very serious. She never jokes. She never <laughs> laughs. <laughs> never drink. <laughs> never drink, yes. But, uh, yes. So, sh- you grew up on the hill, you know, with vines, with your parents, and the wine, well, the story began in 1999, mm-hmm. um, and I believe you are... I was uh, eight years old. Eight years old, so, um, you know, just, you are in your late 20s. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, and then, you know... Uh, in Bassana da Grappa in Veneto. Um, to pursue the family dream, you've been representing... So, actually, you do work in the family winery. Yes. I started as a dishwasher in the restaurant. Oh, wow. But I continued, of course. Uh, when I grew up, I continued, you yes. know. Uh, I started flying with my, with my father to visit clients around yeah. the world and uh, got very passionate about it. And, again, in the winery... Um, my brother and I, my brother is, is you know, the, the one who takes care of all the viticultural uh, uh, aspects as well as in, in the cellar. And um, we were always involved in all the decision making. So mm-hmm. we always felt very much connected to the project yeah. and always yeah. felt it ours. Yeah, so. as a family, the first time I met your father and mother, I felt that you're very close. We are. Tightly knitted. Yes. So, um, I believe you love wine so much. And at which year did you went to? Is it Geisenheim? Yes. Did I say it right? Yes. Geisenheim. Uh, this is a good question. Which year was it? Oh, I think it may. Well, don't tell may, us. Yeah, it maybe it was. Your age. I think it was two two thousand fourteen. Oh. Two thousand fourteen. I moved to Germany. And I studied in Geisenheim University mm-hmm. in the Rheingau region. Um, and um, it's one of definitely one of the top universities. Yeah, for wine, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. And it also offers uh, a degree in wine business. Oh, so we do nice. have similar exams with, you know, winemaking and chemistry and mm-hmm. wine chemistry. So it's actually quite into the topic. Mm-hmm. But then we also it's mixed also with some a bit of economics and marketing. Oh, you're definitely, um, you're definitely yeah. 
So yeah, I, I knew since, since the very beginning that was my direction. Yeah. And that's how you've met all the almost most of the greatest German winemakers. Yes, this is how I ended up working <laughs> for one of uh, one of the very greatest uh, winemakers uh, from Germany. And I joined their uh, export agency that were representing a lot of BDP mm. premium wineries all over the world. So I've been working in Germany for a couple of years. <clears throat> and then I ended up opening my own business. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I put together a portfolio of yes. international producers. No, so Amazing. not just Germany, but also California, Spain. Yeah. Yeah. I saw your portfolio. Yeah. It's really like like you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's very colorful. Yes. A lot of family stories. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And, and definitely good quality wines because yeah. I would never be able to sell something I do not like. Yes. Personally. That, yeah, that's the key. So although it may be a difficult one i still like the challenge <laughs> yeah who doesn't <laughs> okay so um let me see we have a bit time so please tell us about the muso the story <laughs> okay so just for the ones who do not speak uh, venetian dialect for you to know what muso is <laughs> <laughs> Musso is is donkey in Venetian dialect, and it's also one of our um, brand names. So one of our wine labels is called Musso, and um, and everything started like like a joke. Um, you know, in Veneto we are often. Um, I mean, not in Veneto. Sorry, in the Breganze DOC we are quite renowned for Bordeaux style of wines. Yes. And uh, we wanted to produce a wine that was going into that direction, but mm -hmm. differently from all the other wines we produce that are like monovarietal, mm -hmm. like really a, a varietal expression of the variety itself. Um, with the with the blend, we were not really we were really thinking like how should we market it, and and the idea of Musso came uh, in in an evening with a lot of wine with a friend and <laughs> I was just As making always. fun of, of this thing that every time people come to visit my place I spend hours hours saying telling the story of my family of our terroir how cool we are how cool our volcanic soil is and then people will just leave thinking and saying oh today I called a donkey in Contraso Arda so <laughs> So I said, okay, the donkey is surely part of my terroir because it makes my place unique and people will always remember it. So this is how the idea of Musso came out. And I think it's quite a revolutionary idea on, on a branding level, thinking uh, that normally brands start tend to you know, release every year a wine that is, if not the same, very similar in style. And... With Musso, Contraso Arda is trying to uh, change this concept. So we are small producers. We cannot guarantee that with the same blend, with the same variety every year, we deliver the, the exact same quality. And like I said before, we try to do every year a better wine. So with Musso, we, you know, we really wanted to... Um, provide consumers with every year a better wine and uh, and simply every year we release a different cuvee under the same label and I think not many other brands do that so so mm. normally it's always a Marzemino Nero base again a local variety which we like very much because it's super juicy yeah. and very much fun and complicated with a bit of uh, rustic tannins and some vintages we blended with Pinot Noir that makes it a bit more elegant. Mm. Some vintages maybe Pinot Noir is, was too hard to produce mm. and then we add a bit of Merlot or Carmener. And we, we release every year a different cuvee and that carries a different donkey name. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And... Um... Yeah, and that's we've experienced something similar 
I mean, as a drinker, a few days ago, uh, you know, you open a nice bottle, but then it's corked, and then you open some old bottle, and you're like, oh, this bottle is the condition is magnificent compared to the previous two. Um, and what I wanted to say is, you know, if you love wine, then you love surprises, because wine is alive, and it's just so fun to taste. A wine that changes. Yeah, and also it's so, so much fun to change your yes. your mind, yes, right? Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Um, let us close this with.、Um, I've always wanted to ask you. You've achieved so much in the winery structure, and also with all the projects that you do. Do you have what's the what's you know what's the next next exciting thing for Contarsoada? Oh,、uh, next exciting thing、uh, is probably the new、uh, farm we're gonna build, and、wow. in the next、uh, yeah in the next month. So we're gonna start this fall、uh, because since we moved the restaurant, so I mentioned that we、yeah, we we do own one of the most historical restaurants in town. And we moved the restaurant to the estate.、Uh, I think around 2010, and we readapted also the concept, like in the, like like in the old days. So we are basically producing almost 80% of what we're serving,、mm. starting、yeah. from the olive oil、yes. to, of course,、uh, the meat and the vegetables.、Mm. So when my father got older, he had a you know midlife crisis and he started growing <laughs> vegetables. <laughs> Um, that um, we are really able to、um, somehow be sustainable.、Um, I, I, it's very hard to use sustainability, especially like in winemaking and and in the restaurant business. But somehow, really, by producing everything that we're serving,、mm-hmm. uh, it gives us this advantage. And in in fact, we did also do.、Um, Carbon footprint uh, calculation uh, a couple of years ago, and try to really see what can be improved, and、uh, and to、wow. start compensating also for our carbon footprint emission. And with the new farming,、uh, we're gonna also、uh, get some extra help in terms of energy. So we're gonna build like this solar、yeah. panel, and we're gonna move our animals uh, all uh, down there, and we're gonna process the meat also ourselves. Um, so that is the big、uh, next step,、um, and um, obviously,、um, I think further in time we're gonna also move kind of like the logistic pole of the seller down, down there. And down there, it sounds like down there somewhere, but it's just like two minutes drive from <laughs> where we actually are. Yeah.、Um, and、um, yeah, because the hill it's so steep that every time trucks are coming to collect the, the wine, <laughs> they're like not that happy. <laughs> so yeah, and to expand it here, it's gonna be like、uh, really complex, considering that we are completely underground. Okay. Yeah. I believe that because you pay so much attention to the vineyard, the cellar, especially that. You know, we're all experiencing the global warming.、Mm-hmm. Um, a lot in a lot of wine regions, a lot of winemakers are actually considering moving their vineyard a bit further away from historically the, like you know, the best place for ripening and just、everything. going to the cooler places. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So、that、I think、sense. you're also very thoughtful on. You 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 were thoughtful since the beginning of the wine. Yeah. So in fact,、uh, I think、uh, the the idea of of starting this this whole like、uh, carbon footprint、uh, calculation and assessments started really from, okay, 
we feel like we do have an, uh, you know, we are, uh, uh, we are a bit like a step further, mm. but we want to have it certified. Like mm. it's hard really to go out there and say, oh yeah, I'm cool, I'm organic, but I'm not certified and I'm sustainable, but I'm not certified. That is some, sometimes too easy. Um, you want to break Especially your head in terms of it. sustainability, it's a bit more tricky. Like I do believe producers that say I don't have the certification, uh, but especially in places where it yeah. costs so much and you have growers that they cannot write and, and, and weed. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. But uh, um, I really wanted to, to also see at what point we were and how mm -hmm. we could improve further. Mm -hmm. And I think this is just the beginning of a very long-term project mm -hmm. that hopefully will take us to be even a more eco-friendly yes. winery. Yeah, like you said, you started and you want to push the limit. Yes. You want to see where <laughs> it ends. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's a long way to go. Like, uh, um, um, we're ready to wrap it up and we can hand it over, hand the floor over to you. Okay, sure. Thank you so much for doing this with me. No, thank you for choosing me. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it did not destroy our friendship. <laughs> oh, I hope I was good enough. <laughs> I'll send you a full report. <laughs> no, 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 it's really a pleasure. It's, uh, thank you so much. Yeah. And I'm so happy we're going to enjoy a lovely dinner afterwards and yes, just stay sure. together. We did one in Hong Kong, one in Bangkok. Yes. And this one is going to be the second the one. In, yes. And another one in Hong Kong. Yes. So. <laughs> it's going to go on and on. Yes, I hope so. For sure. Um. Okay, so thank you so much for um, doing this podcast interview and also for meeting up and taking the opportunity to uh, meet up in, in the cantina to... Um, talk about um, and to also participate for the clubhouse ambassadors corner so thank you guys <laughs> all right so um we've got um for next week uh, actually we have one more coming this week um so it's going to be cynthia chaplin um on june 22 thursday at 5 30 p.m same time um she will be interviewing antonio capaldo from feudy design gregorio so that's it um Thank you so much and yeah have a have a good evening guys bye 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 Swirl, sniff, sip, spit. Why you drink, don't forget. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.